Dialogue is not just quotation. It is grimaces, pauses, adjustments of the blouse buttons, doodles on a napkin, and crossing of legs. Jerome Stern. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses, and I am very excited about this series. We've had some good feedback after our four-letter word, tell, when we talked about not only identifying what telling is, but how to solve that and how to fix those problems. And because people liked it so much, we decided that this whole series is going to be in that similar style. Welcome to Diagnosis Writer. <laughs> the format for most of these episodes is going to be an example of whatever the issue is, how to identify it in your own writing, how to solve it, then an example of what it looks like solved. Our first episode is about awkward dialogue. This is a struggle for so many new authors because there's a delicate balance between having real conversation and it feeling like a real conversation while still being readable because people don't talk like we write. If we wrote like we talked, there would be so many pauses and ums and run-on sentences and things that just wouldn't work well on paper. It would exhaust your readers and it would exhaust you as a reader. So if you've ever wondered why you struggle so much to write dialogue, even though you talk just fine, it's because there is a different style between actual dialogue and written dialogue. So today's example, we're going to each read a part of, just so that it makes sense that there's dialogue happening here. You know I don't like it when you do that. I know. You've told me 14 times in the past six days, but I like doing it, so you're going to have to deal with it, or else I'll report you to the manager and she'll tell you that I'm allowed to do it whether you like it or not. Can you do it somewhere else? Then I don't have to listen to you. Or at least warn me so I can leave. I'm allowed, so I'm going to do it. And scene. <laughs> what is the problem here? One of the first things you might notice is it's difficult to say at least one particular sentence all in one breath. I have edited this. So it sounds like I'm saying it all in one breath, but if you try to do it yourself, you're going to gasp somewhere in the middle. She did gasp quite big in the middle. So in identifying if something feels awkward, say it out loud. If it's hard to say in one breath per sentence, then you might have to rework that. Also, there was so much said that didn't need to be in the quotation. That entire thing was actual talking instead of thought process. So if you're writing in a deep point of view, you can take the opinions and some of the ideas out of the quote and put it into a quick little thought process. So one of the lines was, can you do it somewhere else? Then I don't have to listen to you or at least warn me so I can leave. The middle sentence in there is, then I don't have to listen to you. That can be taken out, and the dialogue would simply be, can you do it somewhere else? 
or at least warn me so I can leave? That feels much more natural. 90% of the time when I am editing bad dialogue, I am taking sentences out and making them thoughts. So the solution to this is less is more. Break up the sentences. Have more back and forth between the people. More action because there is no action in this whole thing at all. You read our opener quote. It said, everything that isn't in quotation marks is still dialogue. One of the things that should set off that flag in your mind is when characters are telling information that the other character already knows. So if I'm saying, if you want to go outside like I know you do, then you're going to have to put on a coat. If it's a type of character who wants to be a parent to the other one, you can just say, put on a coat. You don't need all of that information, especially anything like I know you do. If you're getting your book made into an audiobook, you don't want your narrator to hunt you down in your sleep. I would. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to tell if something is awkward is to read it out loud. Get somebody else and do a script reading of your dialogue. How does it sound when it's said out loud? If it doesn't sound right, something is wrong. And it's usually because you put too much into the dialogue. If you ever read movie scripts, theater scripts, it's very rare in the last two centuries to have a monologue. One sentence, maybe two, unless a character is giving a speech or some kind of all eyes on me moment. Another place I see awkward dialogue is exposition. And I know we've talked about exposition before and how to avoid it like the plague. If you need to include exposition in something, your character needs to be talking to someone who doesn't know. I just started watching a new Netflix show called Cursed. And one of the very first things that I noticed in the very first conversation that happened was this kind of bad exposition of, you know, my mother, the person in charge of this whole place, you know her? Yeah, I'm your best friend. Of course I know her. Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me because there was too much information put there in a conversation between two people who knew that already. And that could have been such a great dramatic reveal. You can make that a scene. You can make that a moment. You can have fun with it as a storyteller. To just dump that information in an awkward dialogue is one of the last things you as an entertainer want to do to your audience. Another thing that can make awkward dialogue is characters just agreeing with each other. When your characters are agreeing, it generally makes for a relatively flat scene. By the end of the scene, you may want the characters to agree, but make that a struggle. Make it a moment. Make it a scene to get there. If they're talking about something that they do agree on, make them passionate about it. Lee and I have conversations all the time where we are agreeing, but we're venting. And so we're animated. Our hands are flying everywhere. Add that choreography in there to convey the point that they're worked up, that they're animated about it. Don't just have them be sitting there going, yeah, this style is a little weird, but it works, you know, whatever. That's so boring. <laughs> 
So that can be one of your red flag identifiers for if your dialogue might not be the best it could be. If the characters are starting to agree with each other a little too often, then maybe something needs to change. Sometimes that's solved with changing one character's opinion until the end of the scene. Sometimes that's solved with a third character coming in and then these two characters have to argue their points against a new point of view. So back to the example that we had specifically. In there, there were a lot of questions asked or implied that never actually got answered. So in the original one, the question was, can you do it somewhere else? Then I don't have to listen to you. Or at least warn me so I can leave. Break that up into chunks. We already talked about taking the then I don't have to listen to you and removing that entirely, making that a mental thought process. But you can also give the person time to answer the question. Can you do it somewhere else? No. Well, can you warn me? And give them an actual back and forth instead of monologue length lines. When setting up a rhythm for the way your dialogue comes across, punctuation is your friend. You want to be able to interrupt yourself if a new thought comes in or ooh, maybe even insert that thought. These bits of punctuation imply thought processes going on, not just actors delivering lines. So taking all that we've talked about, Let's adjust that original conversation to make it flow better, make it better dialogue so it's not quite so awkward anymore. This is the new example. Really? Again? Yep. 14 times in six days and not a thing had changed. But just why? I like it, so deal with it. I'll tell the manager. He shrugged. She'll tell you the same thing I have. Can you do it somewhere else? Then he wouldn't have to listen to him. Nope. Maybe just leaving was the best option. Can you, I don't know, warn me first? Nah. So in this, you get more personality from each of the characters. You get the flow better. Like it felt better reading it. Those little moments outside of dialogue as well as inside dialogue changed how you view the characters. The first time around, it was about an equal push and shove on both sides. There's a disagreement, we get that. The second time around, my character was a total jerk. This one-word answers, flippance around all of your concerns makes you the good guy, gives us opposing opinions, and makes me the bad guy. There is more there to the dialogue. There's more personality. Now that we've kind of highlighted this little moment, you're going to see a lot more of this in others' writings and TV shows and things. I'm sorry for that, but I'm glad because that means that you're learning to recognize what good writing is. And all of this information, all of these concepts and ideas and characters all come down to writing selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 